You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Oh, no! We suck again! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, I, you know, I don't know what to say anymore about our football team, but I will say congratulations to me and to New York City Football Club for winning the Eastern Conference yesterday. I was down in Philly for a a doubleheader, seeing soccer and then seeing the Lightning beat the Flyers, beat the hell out of the Flyers, actually. So, you know, it kind of took my mind off the giant game. And a theme of the show today is... I didn't feel bad that I really didn't get to watch much of it because, quite honestly, right now, what is the point? I mean, yeah, I mean, part of the reason why – this game was frustrating for me because even with Daniel Jones not playing, I felt like this was a game we could still win. And for what it's worth, this was a game that as badly as they played, they were still in – score-wise, into the fourth quarter. I mean, they were pretty much a touchdown away at, in the fourth quarter. And they were driving in the third quarter, but there were there were problems all over the place. But the reason why I'm not super bothered by this is because, if, frankly, at this point, are we watching the 2021 Giants even? You know what I mean? Like, no. this is pathetic, and guys need to step up, and they could have won this game, and they definitely should have played better. But also, this isn't even the Giants. This isn't the but- team that they assembled. That's Yeah, that's window dressing. And to make it worse, it's not even the 2021 Giants. It's very difficult to even evaluate the 2022 Giants with this, the way you know, the roster currently is with all the injuries at key positions. And it's just a mass unit right now. And, you know, like I said, I was at a tailgate, you know, in Philly outside the, the soccer stadium. And I was watching with my phone. And, you know, maybe at some point. You know, iTunes and iPhones will come up with a way you can actually watch a video and text people at the same time because I was getting texts from people about different things. So I'd have to shut the, the game off for a minute to respond back to something that was important. After a while, it's just like, what am I wasting my time for? You know, I, I'll catch the highlights later. It's just, this is a team that's doing nothing on offense. They're, you know, it's, I have a, an awful backup uh, quarterback playing. There's no. There's no rhythm to this offense. There's nothing exciting about this. This is bad, boring football. And I just said, you know something? We'll just figure it out later. I'll watch it later. I'm not going to – I can't be bothered. That's probably the worst thing you can be as a fan is just apathetic and just whatever. Yeah. I, I, and that's I, sad. I, I, believe me, I hear you. But I also it's like this is a – there's two variables there that if they are flipped, you'd be watching even despite the performance. And one is if the starting quarterback were playing and the other is – Well, the other is let's just say Daniel Jones isn't playing but this team is closer to 500. You're probably still watching. Oh, of course. I mean this is this is kind of the collection of a perfect storm of a lot of bad things going on right now. You're right. If Daniel Jones is playing, sure because I am at least – I'm looking to the future. I'm looking to see what can we build on – you know, what can we salvage from this season that's a building block for going forward? And you're right, if we were, you know, five and five or six and six or whatever we are about right now, and there's a realistic shot at the playoff shot, well, of course, that's different. But Daniel Jones isn't playing. You know, the the, the, the guys I want to see playing, like the Kadarius Tonys, they're not around. Uh, you know, but playing a, uh, you know, a team that I could care less about, 
You know, it's not like we're playing a rival. It's just, and I'm not saying I'm turning off the season for this, you know, the game for the rest of the season. It's just in that situation, it was just, it's very sad, but it's just click. And that's, I mean, that's it, not who you want to be as a fan or a, or, or an, an organization is when you're some of your most loyal, diehard fans, people who spend a lot of time and effort creating content about that team where I'm just like, I guess, but but again, we're we're attributing a lot of things that are happenstance to that apathy. Um, of course, again, oh. of course, like yes, they've been in the yeah. dredges for the last couple of years, so that I is super that important. That's definitely the major contributor. But you know, even as they try to work away from that, this I, to me, I had this game checked off because I thought that this would be a really good barometer for where we were in our rebuild because. Miami is doing almost the same thing. They're pretty much on the same pace as us. And then it became a wash because you're watching, you know, Jalen Waddle have a, a breakout, you know, season because he's not hurt. You're watching Tua back there and play and, you know, get his get his feet underneath them. And then on the flip side, Kadarius Tony's hurt. He's not able to play. And for the record, me saying that is not a knock on him. Wide receivers just get hurt. I mean, there's not a whole lot of wide receivers who don't have some kind of injury history. So spare me that. Um, but, you know, Kadarius Tony's not playing. Daniel Jones isn't even playing. So we're looking at Mike Glennon throw to Farrell Cooper. This is not a barometer of anything. Um, right. So and that's, it, and that, and that, it became just like, a, can we get the fuck out of this game? And, and what's frustrating is that, again, even despite the fact that they were playing really poorly on offense, they were in it up until the middle of the fourth quarter is when it really started to spiral out of control. But at the top of the fourth quarter, they were right there. Right, right. And again, it's just kind of like, again, it, 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 if this was week three, it's a different story. But again, it's just like, it's they were in it, and yeah, there's a chance for a win in this game, but it's just like, a, this is bad football. Yeah, but, is, but when you, but when, when that's your roster trotting out there, and it's not I'm your not, starting roster, but, but all you're trying to do is escape that game. I, don't, I, I didn't I'm, expect I'm, I'm a talking, clean game. Am, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me as a fan, my experience. Uh, I'm not... I'm not talking at all about, you know, what does this mean for the program? What does this mean for this season? What does it mean for next year? I'm just talking for me personally that I am at a low right now that because of the situation we're in, because of all the injuries, because we're out of it, because of this, because Daniel Jones isn't playing, because the offensive line is this, because of all these things, it's like I've been beaten down so much this year that one of the very rare times in my life I was just interested in doing other things and watching a giant game. And that's that's the state of where this 2021 Giants team is right now. That's nothing to say about the future going forward, expectations for quarterback, head coach, GM, the, the price of tea in China, any of that. I'm just saying for right now, for December 5th, 2021, I've reached a rock bottom state for me where I just turned it off and didn't let it ruin the rest of my day. That's sad. Yeah. yeah, it's sad, but but again, I, I would expect that from a poorly played game with a backup. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I get, I totally get what you're saying. I, yeah. I totally get what you're saying. But at the end of the day, I expected this to be a close game that was going to look ugly and sloppy. Uh, yeah. I just, I, and, and what's frustrating is that for me, I thought, and I still think, I'm happier with Glennon playing this game than. Colt McCoy, for starters, um, but also, I wasn't, I wasn't totally. Yeah. 
This so wasn't the worst game for Glennon to have to play, but he certainly played way worse than I thought. I mean, he was missing guys even when he was completing passes. He sucks. <laughs> he's yeah, he's, not he's, he's I mean, okay, especially bad navigating the pocket. He's you're trying to find the best turd in the toilet bowl right now. We're we going mm-hmm. between the Glennons and the Colt McCoys and the Jake Fromms and, you know, whoever the backup quarterback is who's not a backup with the potential to someday be a starter. You're talking about either journeyman guys who are at the end of their useful life like a, a Glennon or Colt McCoy or fringe guys that were barely drafted that are going to bounce some practice squad to third string to I mean a guy like Jake Fromm should never ever see the light of day in an NFL game he has to play because of circumstance and that's kind of where we are it's unfortunate um but you know I had no expectations for a guy like Mike Glenn to me it's like when you get to the Mike Glennon zone it's just kind of like all right well let's not make sure nobody gets really hurt that we need going forward and let's just get through it and let's you know, getting a win would be nice, but I'm, I'm again. I just feel very beaten down now, and it's just very. You know, I want us to win. You know, of course, next Sunday I'll be, uh, I'll be ready at four o'clock. Over thing, I gotta be very, very honest. I'm gonna be watching that game at Barclays Center while I'm watching Gator basketball, who, by the way, lost to a 0-7 team tonight. So that's in the shitter right now, also. But again. I'm okay. okay, so yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Um, but again, expectations isn't really it so much as it's just. I knew the way Miami played defense, right? Um, when it, it, we'll just say this because I don't want to dump all this on well if Daniel Jones played because if Daniel Jones played, their defense would have looked totally different. They would have had that cover zero constantly, and they do that to keep many guys down the line of scrimmage to prevent that RPO zone read kind of quarterback running kind of thing because their defense isn't very good up front. So they they overcompensate by doing a lot of those cover zero blitzes and they just rely on Byron Jones and Xavier Howard on the outside to just hold their guys long enough for a pass rush to get there. So they don't do that with a Mike Glennon kind of guy and you could see that. They didn't run a ton of the crowded line of scrimmage blitzes. I mean they played a lot more traditional – you know, four-man rushes. And they took advantage of the fact that Glennon has stone feet. I mean, he played badly. He does – so, so like, I mean, even Joe Flacco kind of ripped apart this secondary. You know, it's just – they're not a good defense. They just sell out against the – a certain kind of quarterback. And that's why they played the Ravens so well. Well, let's um, look at this. Let's look at this game in terms of what we can really glean for it going forward. Because yeah. that's really the only important thing. I, I don't – I don't care. Even at this point, I don't even care that we lost because now, I, now I'm starting to get into well, maybe we just freaking tank mode. <laughs> I, I'm very honestly, now I'm thinking. All I'm thinking about now is the future. There is no present. I understand why we are where we are, but the fact is, we are where we are. Now I start thinking about the future. Do, is this yeah. this situ, Is Mike Lennon level acceptable for this team as a backup quarterback? Should be. You know, is that one of the things on our long, long laundry list of things to do next year? Get a capable backup because I always say to me, you know, I always say in every off season, if you have to go to your backup quarterback, your season is probably over anyway. But if you need someone to play a game or two, like hopefully at some point in the future, we're not going to be a four and nine team and the backup has to play. And, and you're in the position I'm in right now. Like who cares? At some point, we're going to be a six and three team, and we need a backup quarterback to play and. A Mike Lennon type of guy is not going to cut it. I don't. So I don't. I don't agree. But uh, I, I will agree that he played very poorly uh, in this game. And I, and I. I he played worse than I expected. But 
to me, there's three kinds of backup quarterbacks in the NFL, okay? There are the backups in the NFL that they are going to be an embarrassment to the quarterback position. I mean, they, they are going to lose any game you put them in. There's a there's a backup like that. And the Brian Lewerke's of the world, the Jake Fromm's of the world, those are probably your guys. Those guys are third-string quarterbacks. Those okay, guys, I'm just saying. There's, 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 there's about, there's about I'm, I'm working my way up. Relax. Right. Cool okay. your jets. So, so this is where we start. That's the third level. Those are your Jake Fromm's right there. Your second level to me are your Mike Lennon's of the world. And this is kind of encompassing and this is the more broad – category of backup quarterbacks but these guys are backups for a reason they're not starters because they couldn't cut it as a starter and the league has understood that from the beginning now they can do things they can read defenses they can usually throw the ball downfield or you know they have they don't they just don't have all the skills together they have Enough to get by in college and do really well and get drafted usually, but then they don't have enough to be a starter in the NFL. And to me, Glennon is that guy. To okay, me, McCoy right is also that guy, but so they're different right skills. So that's my that's the million dollar question right now, which the relevance to the Giants and going forward. Is Mike Glennon a level two or is he a level three? No, so I saw so, I saw a level three quarterback. Well, hold on. Let me finish. The, the, the last level of backup quarterbacks are guys who were just recently starters, and when they come in, for whatever reason, they are going to push your starting quarterback for a job, which is actually something that we don't want. So we agree then, right? But in those three categories of backup quarterbacks, we agree that those are the three exist, right? I guess I, I also put maybe a, a fourth level in there, and it's kind of rare, someone like a Trey Lance. where Okay, they, yeah, yeah, they, I agree with that. They, they drafted him. He's eventually going to be the future, but he may not be ready to be your backup now. But he's on your roster. He's probably might even be considered your number three quarterback. But I think that's the fourth category as well. Yeah, the a drafted coming, a, a drafted flyer, an, an investment. Yeah, but I mean, he also could flame out. Oh, of course. Yeah, but, I mean, he's one. But, but right now you have him because he's the heir apparent. He's just not ready at this moment, or there's a roadblock ahead of him for salary cap reasons or whatever they can't just you know they can't just, if, if Garofalo didn't have the number attached to his contract that he did he'd already Lance be gone. Might, might, Lance might be the starting quarterback right now but it's not Garop- Garoppolo would be gone whether it's Lance right. or somebody else Garoppolo so he's he, right. that's category four which is not applicable to the Giants situation but if we're going to play that out yes so to me your second tier backup quarterback will never ever win a game with as many people injured that the Giants had I mean, really, the only way they win that game is if they play a Dolphins team where he's got the right skill set to actually beat that team. But, I mean, he doesn't – no quarterback, too, really has the skill set to improve losing your first-round draft pick on the outside, having the, the offensive line that they have. I mean, I don't know that there is a backup quarterback that well, is equipped to win a game like that, really. Let's be, let's, let's be blunt. I mean, there's not many starting quarterbacks that are going to win with as many. That's my point. So, yeah. So I agree that maybe Glennon isn't great. He definitely had a bad game. But I mean, in what universe do we expect backup quarterbacks not only to win games, expect them to win games, but expect uh, them to perform well with that scenario? I mean, I hate again. using an excuse, but I'm not ready to throw out Mike Glennon as we need to get a better backup. Like, I mean, that is so far the last thing from oh, our well, problem. Yeah. I mean, like, what backup quarterbacks – seriously, what backup quarterback in the NFL right now could have 
performed better than Glennon. There are some, but there's not a lot. Well, I guess as you looked at the tape, can you parse out Mike Glennon, victim of circumstance, versus Mike Glennon on his own performing poorly? Or is that too much? On his own performing poorly, I would say, was his ball placement. Um, That was something that I thought that he was a little bit better at Based on tape, not just me like remembering. Like I checked him out before, when we signed him and whatever. I thought he was a little bit better than that. He definitely has the arm strength. What I knew he didn't have was a lot of pocket movement, and that is a victim of circumstance. He started by the third quarter. He really started hearing footsteps, and they started showing up to his credit. But, I mean, the offensive line didn't play horrendously in this game. I mean, especially not to start in the passing game. Um, but they also did a lot of stuff. They had a lot of max protects called and stuff like that, which means only two guys running down the field. Um, but yeah, a lot of it were, mi- so, were missed throws when he was freaking out. So the bottom line, why didn't this team score a touchdown? Well, I would say that if, you're saying, if the offensive line didn't play that badly, and you know, and Glennon, well, a lot of it wasn't his fault. Like, um, no, it, I'm not saying a lot of it wasn't his fault. I, th- I think it was 50-50. The ball placement issues were his. I thought he was better than that. Um, the pocket is the po- – I knew he couldn't move well in the pocket, and if it started to fall apart, that's on him. I mean there was yep. one time where Andrew Thomas gave up a sack, but I mean I counted it off. There was at least six seconds that he was in the pocket, and he didn't even move. Uh, and it was a clean – when was the last time we had a six-second pocket? <laughs> I've had jeans that don't have pockets that last that long. Yeah, so. Exactly. Um, you know, there was there was a big play to be had to Evan Ingram down the field, who had a good game, by the way. Um, that he, he just kind of threw, and you could see Ingram couldn't even get under it because it was just not on target at all. He didn't lead him. He just kind of lofted it above him. The, the interception to Darius Slayton... And was another one where I appreciate the deep shot. I don't even know if it was going to be an incompletion, out of bounds, you know, broken up, whatever. But I, I appreciate the aggression. I appreciate pulling two guys there. He had Xavier Howard in a trail position. But you could see the moment the ball came out of his hand, Darius Slayton had to stop in his tracks to try and get under it. I mean, it was a bad throw. Um, I, don't, I don't think there was an issue with throwing that into double coverage. It's just if he li- if he led him and kept him running at full speed, it would it would have been single coverage with just that sing- safety coming over. And, you know, you could just lead him out of bounds or whatever. You know, I, I appreciate you throwing that deep ball there, but it just didn't work. Um, I think that if this were a game where you had Tony and Shepard, I think that we probably win this game. Huh? I'm, I'm being serious because that's oh. those are the two guys – in against this secondary that would have had a big game both of them and that's why i'm not getting bent about wins and losses anymore really because Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like well it is what it is and i've just kind of resigned myself to the is what it is so you know a lot of that kind of takes the you know the impetus to me to get so musty tv for it's just like i know we're playing shorthanded i know we don't have the 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 key personnel we need to be successful to win games so a lot of that's kind of like my you know if i don't have my weapons i don't have my line i don't have my quarterback i don't have an offensive coordinator i don't have all of these things going on it's, it's, i kind of it makes i'm not accepting it like oh i accept it like it is what it is like i'm happy accepting it. it's like i resign myself to this is what it is that that's kind of where the malaise that yours truly the cranky fan is feeling now 
You you could see the sense? way that they yeah oh yeah you could see also though the way they they. I don't want to say that I like Freddy Kitchens because I'm not really rooting for him to take over the OC position, but you can see the difference in scheme, though, and the way that they're getting the ball into Kenny Galladay's hands. And now they're forcing it a little bit, but they're also having him run routes that get him into a one-on-one position more often. We're definitely seeing with the way they're utilizing Evan Ingram, right? I mean, he is definitely running downfield more, period. So you, I think what I'm seeing is that there is a little – we all know the offensive line sucks, Yes. But there's a little more faith in the offensive line to – it's not a sieve where they're just getting crushed in one and a half seconds. He's trusting it to hold out a little longer and you're Get seeing some results of that. Yeah, you're you're yes. seeing results of it. Like you got to try. And I think that's what a lot of fans were you know, screaming from the hilltops for. It's like you, you're not even trying to do this. And yes. if you live in, you live in such fear – now again, we'll never know this but – are those independent acts or are they combined acts? Is it Garrett refused to take shots or now they went to Kitchens, Freddie Kitchens, that Joe Judd said, your mandate is I want to see it a little more opened up too. Well, if there's one because, thing I know about Joe Judge as a coach, it's that we'll never actually learn the answer to that, even through COVID exactly. messaging. It's going to come down to the trends of history. And so based on the game that Freddie Kitchens called last year and the two games he's called so far this year, I will put the – I'll put that blame on Garrett, but it can flip. It can flip back because the fact is is that Kitchens is still calling Garrett's playbook. He's just calling the – so it it does currently on three games fit to Garrett because Judge is still as far as we know in charge. He isn't even officially – have we ever officially named Kitchens as OC? He's just calling nope. the plays, right? Yeah. So do we know? Do we know one hundred percent sure he is calling the plays too? Because yes, because before week one, I don't think it was ever revealed until until like the very end of the week. But yeah, that sounds it has, familiar, actually. Yeah, I um, thought yeah. it was kind of like we are all assuming it, but has it ever actually been said? Yeah, I think by the end of the week, it was fine. It was kind of the same thing with the Jones in- injury or whatever it is, right? Um, where they were just playing coy about it, but we all kind of had already heard. Right. Um, like I, I saw that like some, not guys on the Giants beat, but national guys, I think were were saying that it was going to be Kitchens, and nobody on the beat was confirming it. Um, right. So can we? Right. I, I mean, that's that again. This is the same thing as the Daniel Jones injury, where national media members seem to have the end result while the ambiguity kind of sat around with the beat for a while because of, I guess they're just smoke signals, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, with the, with the, the Jones injury, I, I, the fact that he was practicing but not cleared for contact, I, I really didn't know. Um, but Doug, quarterbacks normally don't have any, much contact in practice anyway. Yes, but he wasn't cleared for it. So he could practice oh. in a limited sense even though he wasn't cleared for contact because he's auto red jersey. Right. Most times you're not going to try to have contact with your quarterback anyway in practice. Right, exactly. And the fact that that injury happened on like the second play of the game and he finished out that game, I was like, it's a neck. If he's practicing and he finished out that game, how bad could it be? Yeah, so. he did say the report came out that he started to feel it after the game. It really started bothering him later on that evening. Yeah, but do you believe that? Seriously? No, bullshit. I don't believe it either. Hey, let's, I mean, speaking, I- of bu- speaking of bullshit, um, Let's just put it out there for the record now so we can officially state our cases that a lot of people, a lot of fans, you know, people on Twitter, friends of ours that we know, 
seem to be very affected by what Judge says in these post-game press conferences and get you know very bent about coach speak. Can we just officially for the record tell everybody don't listen to a word these guys say because it doesn't mean anything. And what are they supposed to say in a post-game press conference? Like, you know, um, ju- Well, this is, ju- is going to open up to a whole judge conversation, but let's start with just this. Sure. I mean, people complaining about, like, he was pointing out all the positives that happened, and how can you say there's any positives when a game, an offense that did absolutely nothing? What is the coach supposed to say? Do you want your coach throwing players under the bus when it's obvious that they're the ones making mistakes, they're the ones that are the weak links in an offensive line, or they're a backup or something? Of course not. So what is he supposed to say? Um, I, I 50% agree with you. Uh, I, I think when it comes to GM press conferences, 100% of that press conference means nothing. Um, when it comes to coach press conferences after the game, I agree that there are I, – I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying in a general sense without throwing any players under the bus. I think we still need to continue working on our pass blocking. Our run blocking wasn't where I wanted it today. Even if you're a broken record, there's nothing wrong with saying that. You don't have to call out Nate Solder. And if, and if a beat writer asks you a, a player-specific question, then you can get vague and protect your player from – you know, scrutiny or whatever, and let them just you know deal with it in practice instead of having to deal with it with the national audience. So I fifty percent agree with you. There's nothing. There's also nothing wrong with pointing out the positive that you want to build on because they offense did move the ball. I mean, they they had a lot. It, it's the run. I mean, the run game is is hot trash. I mean, there were there were some moments in there where you had some twenty yard run, thirteen yard run. You know, they they did get some stuff moving on the ground, but for the most part. A lot of one, two, negative two, you know, a lot of that. And it didn't matter which back it was either. So I want to hit Barkley for all that, and I can't. I mean, Matt Skura was god-awful in this game. I mean, really, he did get benched and and whatever about that. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is there was one play where the hole was off of right guard and tackle. It was there, but because Matt Skura got pushed all the way from the left guard spot into the hole, Barkley had to stop and got tackled three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Is horrendous blocking, especially since no one on this defensive line is that good. You know what I think it is, too, is, you know, everybody, they pick a narrative and they want to run with it. They don't like to be either proven wrong or say something to the contrary because Judge, you know, his comments about Matt Pert during the week were pretty – pretty honest like he's not starting because quite frankly he's not good enough i mean he didn't say it in that harsher terms well, but yeah he but but again he said it nate solder is playing well for us right now he's playing better than matt pair and that is kind of throwing pair under but a right that should be lighting a fire under pair i mean this is but a scenario prob- where a guy should have won a spot and isn't so hopefully that the problem yeah. is the fan base doesn't want to hear that statement so a lot of times coaches are in no-win situations because they're either blowing smoke up your ass or they're telling you actually the truth, but you don't want to hear the truth. You want to hear, get Solar out of there. I want Pert to start. But you know, he just told you in no uncertain terms, not good enough. He's not, he's not physical enough. He's not, you know, he's not tough enough. And mm-hmm. that, but you, you don't want Solder, so you get on the coach's case for that too. I mean, coaches, again, a lot of what they say is coach speak. A lot of it's spin. A lot of it is to tap dance around what they really want to say but can't say. I just implore 
this fan base just take what they say with a grain of salt. I mean, be more be more upset about what you see on the field, not the way it's being described in a presser, because you know what they're saying is not what they really mean. You know that you know the conversations that go on between him and Gettleman, him and Mara are different ones than that what's being spewed out of their mouth in a presser. So just take it with a grain of salt, or just don't listen to the press conferences. That's my advice because I don't care what they say in these things. Yeah, I mean. I think what it, what's interesting is this week was the week where, and I think I don't know how this corresponds, but it seems that once they fired Jason Garrett, it became much more transparent, right? A little bit. I mean, that's the only, the first time they really opened up and answered the Nate Solder question. Now, I don't think many on the beat brought up the right tackle spot by name up until that week, anyway. So. You know, maybe it's that too, but we saw that from all coaches. I mean, they asked Rob Sale; he was very, very open about it. You know, he was—he specifically said that he was not tough enough. Um, he he or, that he wasn't aggressive enough. He wasn't hitting, and that is his problem. He doesn't get his hands on guys fast enough, so he ends up getting beat because he's all out of position and shit. He lets the defender dictate the the, the block. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I just. The, the problem for Joe Judge is that these press conferences are very not informative after a loss. It's very much like looking on the positives after a loss, which people don't want to hear. But it also comes off the heels of a game that I don't think Judge coached very well. Now, I don't expect a game like this with the injuries that they have to be a clean coached game. And so to his credit, there were not a lot of penalties in this game on either team. And that's somewhat officials, but also, I mean, offsides and bullshit like that. There wasn't a ton of that. Um, well, we're, what's the biggest things we really, we, when we always talk about that was a poorly coached game. That was a well coached game. What are the things we're really concerned about? It's I mean, not, for, let's forget about preparation and, you know, it's, it's time management and it's, being conservative, and they were on full display in this game. Let's start with the the first one was a combo of both. The wasted, stupid timeout was at the end of the first quarter where they they thought that the play, according to Judge in the press conference, he said that they thought that the play clock and the game clock were in sync, and it wasn't until there were 15 seconds left on the play clock that an official told him that the play clock was a tick ahead of the game clock. And rather than try and run to the – which now, it, now that you're in this scenario, the fact that you call the timeout is fine. I agree with the fact that you – especially in this game where Glennon clearly had trouble communicating yes. plays and getting everybody to the line of scrimmage and getting the snap off in one second. Now, my problem is – I know it's only the first quarter, but why are we so conservative that with 20 seconds, 25 seconds, 30 – how many fucking seconds are on the the play clock to start? Isn't it 26 or something like that? 35, I thought. 35. There's a, there's a huge amount of seconds. When that happens, for that scenario to happen, you have to be resigned to the fact that you're not running any play at all to the po- at, at that point, at 30 seconds left. Why? Why? In the first quarter of the game, are you so conservative that you're not going to run a play? You have nothing called. You're not looking at whatever. And now that might be Judge. That might be Kitchens. I don't know. 
I mean, on the one hand, it could be Kitchens being like, let's just take this in. It could be Judge telling him, let's just take this in. I don't know. But I'm going to put it on Judge because it stays consistent with what I've seen from him. Those are head coaching decisions, not right. coordinator decisions. So I'm putting that on Judge. Well, it's the decision. But like I said, if Kitchens didn't think – didn't have a play ready, then I, I – you know, whatever. I I just – I'm not 110% confident. Yeah, You should always have something locked and loaded if you're a coordinator. It's your job. I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, that was on full display. How about punting from the 46-yard line on fourth and two in the third quarter with five minutes left down by, what was it, seven? We were seven. Down, it was 10 to three. That was bullshit, right? We agree? Well, I did a whole rant several weeks ago about this that, you know, that's not the NFL anymore. It isn't. And they were I, also driving, though. There is a fantastic Twitter account, and I don't have it handy, but what they do is they go through every game and they mm-hmm. analyze every fourth, like go for it situation. They, let's say fourth and eight, opponents 32, and they, they run a statistical analysis and they say the recommendation here is to go for it, and they say strong, medium, or weak, and they give you the result of what actually happened. Um, it's I, I'll find it for you guys. I'll, I'll tweet it after. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a really good Twitter account, and it it does exactly. And you'd be amazed how many times it says to go for it, and coaches don't. I I feel like a jackass because I actually know the account. I follow it, and I don't remember it either. Yeah. Um. um let me look it up here while we're doing this. Um, you know, not to mention, by the way, that that punt on fourth and two at the forty-six went in the end zone. So from the 46-yard line, you punt into the end zone, comes out to the 20, so it was a 26-net punt. What good is that giving you? It gives you – now, I understand wanting to pin them down, and to to his credit, the defense is more loaded. I, I get that, but at a certain point, they have to do this. I mean, for, and not for nothing, but I think it was either the next drive or the drive after that. They had a fourth and two again at around the same spot on the field. They went for it with Barkley. Just a simple handoff to Barkley off guard, and uh, they got it. I mean, they just pushed the pile, and I think he gained four yards. That Twitter account, by the way, is at Ben underscore bot underscore Baldwin, and it's called Fourth Down Decision Bot. They'll go through every play, and they'll tell you it's Buffalo has fourth and seven at the England 17. The recommendation, you know, go for it. Actual play tells you what it does. So it's really good. And next time you're watching a giant game and you're kind of like, why didn't we go for it? Look that up and see what they say because odds are he probably went the conservative bent on a play when he should have. But that's who he is, and that's kind of one of the things that, you know – the bigger question is going to be, and I don't want again. I swear myself, I'm not doing this every week, but I do it every week. It's, you know, Joe Judge is he a coach that should be able to withstand any new GM coming here? I mean, are we hitching our wagon so much to Joe Judge that everybody has to work around him, or does he go out with the with the bathwater also? Has he done enough to be untouchable? Is there enough potential shown? That he's untouchable or decisions are made around him. I agree. Not at all. Um, but at the same time, I still think he's coming back. I just a gut feeling oh, that he's coming I, back. I guess two different things. I, I think I think the mayors are all in on him. And I think he is going to be the tail wagging the dog of this franchise going forward. 
I think they are going to be interviewing GMs with him being the litmus test. Like, how would you work with this coach? This coach likes to do that. How do you handle this? And I think I, I, he hasn't shown enough to me X's nose on the field. That and that, This is not saying I want to fire Joe Judge, but I'm saying I'm still very to be determined with him that I think if you're bringing in a GM here, and, it, and I think if you want to get a really good one in here who wants complete control and autonomy, I don't think Joe Judge should be the the factor in whether you're hiring your GM or not. No, I agree. How do you think – now really, really dig back and try and remember like, okay. and, and, and be honest because I think it's easy for us to have you know rose-colored glasses when viewing some sections of the Giants' past. But how do you think Judge and Tom Coughlin stack up philosophically? I mean because Coughlin was never a big fourth-down go-for-it guy even in the red zone. Um, Coughlin also was very much into discipline, special teams, guys. He seemed very conservative. He was a little – I mean he had the benefit of having one of my favorite Giants OCs with Kevin Gilbride who was aggressive and fit Eli Manning very, very well. So it never really looked like total garbage even when it was total garbage. I'd say there's three differences, main differences between Coughlin and Joe Judge. I'm listening. One, different game. Mm-hmm. The game, the game itself, is much more aggressive than it was. It relies on analytics a lot more now than it did ten, fifteen years ago. Not arguing that, but yeah. Two, Coughlin had a track record. Yes, Coughlin went to mm-hmm. an AFC Championship game in year two of an expansion team. He had success with Jacksonville. He gets the benefit of the doubt with decision making, where a first-time coach who's learning the ropes may not get that benefit of the doubt. And three, Tom Coughlin had Eli Manning. (laughs) I mean, you have a a guy that we're going to debate until the cows come home is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He has Daniel Judge, Daniel Judge, Daniel Jones, a guy we're going to debate until the cows come home should he have a contract. So I think those are three main differences. But but those are three main differences, most of which are outside the realm of control. I mean, like, uh, you know, it's not really Joe Judge's fault that he doesn't have a track record in terms of you know he's coming here doing what he wants to do. It's the exact same thing that Coughlin. I'm 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 not actually saying this. I'm just if if we're arguing this that it is the exact same philosophy. It's just that you know. So we gave Tom Coughlin and and you know maybe ownership gave Coughlin more of a leash because he had a track record. But that doesn't change that he came in trying to do the exact same thing. Yeah, but, um, yeah I, I think uh, I think. Again, I think the big thing is the way the game has changed. Sure, but again, but again, I'm just simply taking the coaches at face value. Are they really similar, or no? I don't really know. I'm, I'm thinking about this for really the first time. Because a lot of it too was like, out. oh, did I? What? Yeah, you just cut out. That's that again. That question. Um, is it just? Are they really similar or not? I mean, I, I'm only thinking about it for the first time. I don't know. I, I again, I think with with the track record, I think makes the the discipline thing for Coughlin more effective. I think you know, but being that's older, not really the point, though. I mean, it's just it, again, it's yeah. just where their points of emphasis are and what they're trying to do. That was they're pretty similar. I, I, I guess so. I, I guess you know, 
I would not consider Tom Coughlin – well, I don't know. I mean the play calling seemed to be a little more go for it than the conservative nature of him, like the discipline, the old school mentality of him. O'Brien with Manning, I guess – I don't know. I've never done really an analysis. He went for it on fourth down. But again, I think a lot of that is kind of the product of the times too. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, Tom Coughlin. It's kind of like saying. Well, they they forced Ben McAdoo kind of on Tom Coughlin. We knew that that wasn't the kind of that Coughlin didn't really buy into this new style. And when Ben McAdoo was the OC, there was we can see now with hindsight that there was a definite Tom Coughlin stamp on that offense that year. Where it was it 2015 where McAdoo was the. OC, there was a lot more emphasis on running the ball than there was in any of the years that followed, the, the 16 and 17 that followed. Well, he also had Brandon Jacobs Tiki Barber back then too, right? Or is Tiki Whoa, Barber gone by then? Tiki Barber was gone when Bam McAdoo got here. I don't I'm even sorry, think we had Brandon uh, Jacobs. I think we had, um, you're, yeah, uh, you're going way far back. You're going back to Gilbride. Um, okay. Okay, so let's start with Gilbride Gil- then. But Gilbride, again, he was more of your calculated risk where he was, again, they were going to lean very heavily on the run and play action. They read the defense, saw what they gave them, and they would do a lot of levels, you know, route running where you have guys taking the field and you take your shots. You know, you... I'm sorry. When you said, I was thinking, I was thinking Gilbride when you say McAdoo. That's why I yeah. was going back to the old I days. I, I think a lot of it had to do with the talent that they had, too. Yeah, that's you know, true. On the that's offensive fair. line and, and and your running backs. I mean, I well, okay, okay. When they started, yeah, yeah, but but it's clear from like 2012 through 2017, 2015, when Coughlin got fired at the end of that year, it was pretty clear. I mean, he knew they didn't have talent on the, on the offensive line, right? I mean, we agree. Coughlin knew what because I mean that's the big thing is that Coughlin and Jerry Reese, their philosophies were not on the same page at all. They were polar opposites. Right. Um, and that's really ultimately what doomed this team was a disconnect there. Um, you know, I, I think they're kind of similar. I, I'm not going to – I mean – and that's not really an anointment because I was very critical of Tom Coughlin never going for it on fourth down. His insistence on – I mean I, I agree with the philosophy of how he wanted to run an offense. But it, it got down to the point where I can't help the fact that your GM isn't building your offensive line. you got to come up with something else. Um, right. You know, I had my and, – and also – Tom Coughlin had to get over himself a little bit with the discipline thing at certain points. I understand that he fixed Tiki Barber, but that was like a Hall of Fame level guy. And he had guys like David Wilson wouldn't get any playing time because, you know, he fumbled one of the – I mean, what are you going to do? Fumbles are going to happen at a certain point. Yeah, I so, mean, he's, he's a product of his time and maybe the product of a little previous time. I mean, that's mm-hmm. – I mean, coaches are different. The way coaches handle players now is radically different than they were – 10 years ago and radically different than they were 30 years ago. I mean, the stuff that like Tom Landry tried to do back in the, in the seventies would never fly today. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the, 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 you watch these old films of, you know, Vince Lombardi or Bear Bryant college. Good luck. I mean, you know, guys like Bill, uh, uh, uh Perkins, you know, who's, who's our, um, our co- coach back in the late seventies, mm-hmm. three days, during uh, oh, yeah. training no, camp, no, no. I mean, three you days, think that's not going to happen. You think any of that's going to happen, Ray Perkins? That's never going to happen today. Or even if they can't actually execute three a days, the mentality of being tough. Mm-hmm. The whole purpose of three days was to be tough. 
That doesn't happen anymore. It's you have to cuddle well, these guys. You have to be a psychologist more. There's no psychology back then. Yeah, and that's true. Uh, but I mean, whatever. I, I don't know. So for me, with Joe Judge, I I I know at a certain point a coach is supposed to be getting the best out of his players, but I do want to see him coach games where this team looks okay. I mean, I mean, there is. I don't even think I'll it's coach above. Your I'll coach your coverage. Yeah, I I get that. Yeah, but at a certain point, I want to see how he performs. I mean, he also hasn't had a shot at getting an easy one. I mean, when has he had an easy game to coach? Never. They're never favorites in any game. They're never equipped to play a game. And and frankly, they would have been this year had it not been for some injuries. I just want to at least see him coach those games. But we do play some close games, though. We play close games, but. Right. Yeah. So in those in those in those close games, I want to see, wow, Joe Judge helped us win this game. Not, oh, I'm going to point to clock management, a bad timeout here, no more timeouts here, challenge what we knew he was going to get, things like that that don't help the cause. I want to see smart decisions that that little extra gave them the win. And we haven't seen that just yet. Yeah, but again, right? Cause though, I agree with you, but again, all these close games that he's coaching, and I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but all these close games he's coaching are in lieu of an offensive line that can block anything because guys are hurt. They're in lieu of a number that. one wide receiver. I, and like, I see what you're saying, like, you know, out coach your coverage or whatever, but these are all games that should be winnable. I mean, he is—he's trying. Uh, right. He's—he's he's too conservative for my about. taste, but he's also trying to coach around a significant problem that he shouldn't have to deal with, like I varsity. I understand leverage. that. I understand that. But if we go back to every close game that we've lost, I think we can go back to the tape for our shows and say, I think Judge did a bad job here. He blew a timeout out here. That was a dumb challenge here, and those might be tipping points in a close game get it you know he's playing with 50 cars in his deck he doesn't have a full offensive line we've gone through that a billion times but that's kind of what passes prologue if there's five minutes left and it's a two-point game you're here you know and and yeah i I get that i haven't i haven't seen a game yet where it's like really smart moves or he he clearly out coached coach x i think he clearly out coached matt rule Was, a, was that really close at the end? I mean, they benched Sam Darnold, which was stupid. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, Darnold didn't play well, but benching him for I PJ guess. Walker handed us that game, right? Yeah, I could say that. Yeah, that's almost like waving a white flag. Yeah, I, I mean, is that that, that's out, more that an indictment out, on rule out, than anything. Yeah, is that him out coaching rule, or is that rule just you know? <laughs> well, okay, okay. Here, here's a really good segue. The Panthers just fired Joe Brady, so we had a brief. <laughs> One two text about this. Um, I mean, I don't think that he's joining the staff, right? I mean, I don't think that they even want him on the staff. I'm going to go out on a limb right now. I'm going to say it in public. There are two teams I would love Joe Brady to be the offensive coordinator. My first pick is the Florida Gators. My second pick is the New York Giants. I agree with you. Uh, uh, Let me tell you something. I don't know how much you guys watch college football. And I don't know how much SEC football you watch. 
I've been watching the SEC for 30 years. I have seen amazing offenses from Florida. I've seen amazing offenses from Alabama. I've never seen an offense like LSU's. And I, I know there's a bunch of first-round picks all over the place. But Joe uh, Joe Brady. Quarterback. Burrow. Quarterback. Help me out. Burrow. Joe Burrow can't miss five-star quarterback recruit. He came – he was a transfer from Ohio State. He was an accurate guy coming out of high school but was not, you know, the, the, the end-all, be-all of recruits. The year before, in 2018, I saw him in person in Gainesville play Florida. He was accurate, but – I was there. Mm-hmm. You had that game. Mm-hmm. Trask outplayed him. He threw game. a game-ending pick, essentially. Right, right. But something happened. The switch got turned, and he became one of the greatest quarterbacks, single-season quarterbacks I've ever seen. Uh, pro-ready type. I mean, guys like Cam Newton had their own single years. But still, the point is, Joe Brady was the mastermind of that offense. And – I had my shortlist of who I wanted to be the Gator head coach. He was on that shortlist. You know, never had coached before. Now that there's got to be a reason why he was scapegoated out of Carolina. You know, they don't have a quarterback. You know, I, I don't know if he got along with Rule or not. I don't know if around that he was, you know, not so quietly looking at other jobs, college and pro. And they might have just launched him. It seemed very strange in, on an off week to do it. If he's available and he's out there, he is my number one target for offensive coordinator. You you can keep Freddie Kinchins, get rid of him. If Joe Brady is available and he's interested, you get him here. You overpay him to get him here. That's how good he is. Yeah, I think my only concern with him is, well, I mean, I would want to interview him and just understand his perspective of what happened in Carolina because I would want of to course. know why he was run out. But but also, my only concern is that he's super young and he hasn't really had an OC job for a very long time. But, I mean, we've already shown that we don't give a shit. We'll hire a thousand assistants to help you out. I mean, so hire this some assistants, the, help him out. This is the NFL. And this is 2021. You get a support staff around him for what he needs. You ask him. Right, of course. You do your due diligence for any hire. You don't just – because the cranky fan watches a TV and says hire this guy. That's not why you hire him. You no, do or because he's a name. Right. You you find out what the backstory is. You know, Why did you leave LSU? Why didn't you stay there? Because their other co-coordinator retired that year. Why did he stay at LSU and, and get a huge contract and stay there? Um, why did you leave? Why? What happened behind the scenes? You tell us. What do you feel you need to be successful at this job going forward? Do you think Daniel Jones is a quarterback you can work with in your system, or do you think that they we need to move on? You know all these different things. But I'm just telling you what I saw, and I saw an offense that was playing against SEC level defenses, shredding them. Took Georgia. You know, we've all been running a batch all year about Georgia, how great their defense is, until the Bama game, obviously, but shredded them the year before. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, Coach O isn't at LSU anymore, so he won a national championship. Right. <laughs> so, and, and, and then 17 months later, it's gone. Yeah. Doesn't well, I mean, so, so is Joe Brady, but... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know, don't, you don't have the players, you don't have the support staff around you that made you successful, and you become exposed as just, you know, some Louisiana redneck. But, so yeah, I would definitely, guy, I would definitely, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I would definitely – he gets an interview from me, period. I, I mean that's the only thing I can guarantee and I'm guaranteeing him an interview. Yes. Um, Four guys I thought had a good game and, and are playing well, playing well. Xavier McKinney I think continues to, to man that single high without any issues and he continues to be aggressive flying downhill at plays as well. He nearly had a pick in the first quarter off of the Waddle deflection, which we kind of got away with a hold on Waddle anyway. Um <laughs> And then, you know, someone was guilty on the, the Isaiah Ford touchdown. I just don't know if it was him or Bradbury based on the replay. I mean, I just don't know who had the responsibility to stay and which one had the responsibility to stay on the outside. It kind of looks like it was Bradbury's fault for running inside. I don't really know why he did that. But, you know, I, I don't I don't want to just say that um, like, like I know what I'm talking about. Um, but again, it, it's important, you know, as we evaluate Tua finishing his rookie season essentially just last week. Um, Xavier McKinney is not far off. I mean, he's also just kind of getting his feet wet and he's getting better and better and better. So good thing to have um, back there. Definitely continuing to develop and fits well into Patrick Graham's system. So that's a good thing. I um, I don't want to tangent this too much, but Patrick Graham, are you feeling like the first couple of weeks are, or are you feeling like what we've seen in the, off, the defense the last couple of weeks and also what last year is kind of, you know, to me, Patrick Graham is the rock on this coaching staff right now more than anything else. A hundred percent. I mean, that's that's clear as day. I, I'm going to be afraid that he's getting a head coaching job that isn't ours um, every single off season, and frankly, in between in between weeks, I'm gonna I'm gonna get uh, afraid of that that news being leaked uh, into, until it happens because um, yeah, he is I, that good. I'm worried. I, 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 he the, what he's done. I mean, even in this game, I mean, they had Aaron Robinson, who also played really well, by the way, playing on the outside full time in Adoree Jackson's absence. I wouldn't if you, what, I, I when I said that I was excited about Aaron Robinson coming to this team, I'd said that he was you know one of my favorite corners coming out in this draft. But he's not strictly an inside guy, but he's going to be primarily an inside guy. He played full-time on the outside. He even had a really good tackle on Jalen Waddle in the open field to prevent the first down. He had an excellent pass breakup on Gesicki and then uh, a legitimate one, and then another one in the end zone where he didn't actually break it up, but he got his hand right up there in the face that caused, in my opinion, caused Gesicki to... Because it's not like Gesicki dropped it. It hit him in the face, which tells me he couldn't see where it was. Um, right, I thought I thought he played outstanding on the outside. That is, way, he should not be getting full time snaps out there, and uh, he didn't really allow a whole lot. I think the only thing I saw was a back shoulder pass to Devonte Parker, which is like back shoulder is the hardest thing to defend in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought Ingram had a really good game. A lot of third down conversions on third and long, which means that he was running ten yards down the field. So um, he's, he's quietly had a halfway decent season yeah i mean again this is just one of those things where it's like i've always felt he was misused they all every coordinator he's had up until now so far two games with kitchens here um he's been running inside of five yards and crossing and trying to use his quickness against. like i don't care about his quickness against linebackers that's useful from time to time not every single play let him stretch the field let him get linebackers with their backs turned to the line of scrimmage running after him that's what I want. I don't want them with facing the line of scrimmage and just kind of strafing alongside or in a chase position. So I, I, you're not using his strengths. 
Yeah, and we saw it. I mean, how many third... I think he had like four third down conversions in this game. One of them was an excellent catch, diving to the ground. Um, And I think Tay Crowder is slowly getting better. Go back to Ingram for a second. Has he done yeah. enough improvement this year that's going to save his career with the Giants, or do you think he's gone? Not with the Giants. I mean, A, they have no money to re-sign a single soul. And B, he's... Some team with cap space is going to know that they can unlock and they'll they'll spend more than we were willing to spend even if we had it so he's, he's got I, I agree i agree but I agree. and my I, his career here i wasn't happy with him as a draft pick i didn't want him i it seemed like just another jerry reese pick where i thought there were better things and who i thought was better at the time i can't tell you off the top of my head but uh, i i was at my friend's house so i remember being pissed um i remember it very vividly so right. don't think that this is conjecture but I've always felt like we never even got to see it because he just never got used the way I thought he would be used or the way he was used in college. I mean, whenever they did have him running down the field, he was almost strictly a decoy. So it just, ah, I don't know. I mean, but he hasn't done anything to help himself dropping passes like crazy. So it's not, it's not like... Well, I just him. think yeah. I just think that if he were utilized the way I anticipated, we'd be having a much different discu- a much more heated discussion about whether I should return. I think he also would, you know, if he's utilized properly, he's more successful, he has more confidence. He doesn't get mm. become a head case with dropping balls. Sure, I agree with that. No, I, I think it kind of snowballed, you know, not being used, maybe some frustration, pressing, drop pass gets in your head. That snowballs, you're done. Mm-hmm. So. That's you know wishful thinking, cranky fan talking, but I think that's pretty true. Tay Crowder for me. Uh, remember, this is Mister Irrelevant. This is a guy who's only played linebacker for a couple of years. Converted running back at Georgia. Um, still getting used to that inside linebacker position, and he's specifically learning his coverage and his coverage techniques. But he's not. I wouldn't say he's bad in coverage. He just has mental lapses, which you know I would think comes with learning the position for the first time. You know, in the last couple of years so but i think he already plays really well in the run game and and you know jumping into gaps and blitzes he had a huge hit on tua in the third quarter i mean he lit him up and i know he went unblocked but some of that was also his disguise and his pass and he really didn't look like he was rushing for a good two seconds he was just kind of trotting and then he turned on the jets and by then it was too late to pick him up and he just leveled Tua and caused an incompletion he also had a giant tackle for loss in the second quarter do you think Gettleman, Judge, Graham will look to upgrade that position or do you think they're happy with what he's been producing and his upside? So for me, this game really highlighted that um, this game to me was still winnable with a backup quarterback. And what it showed me was um, – <laughs> We, we need to get either healthy at wide receiver or get strong in the offensive line. But defensively, I was actually disappointed with the pass rush for this game. Now, I know, I know the pass rush has been a thing all year. But all year, in my opinion, has been pass rush would be great. But I'd almost rather get three offensive linemen before then. We can live with the defense the way it is now. We cannot survive with an offense with this offensive line. So that this, to me, was a glaring... I mean, there. I said that in the preview podcast, I said that they need to be able to get to Tua. And I said Tua's not a big turnover guy. He's really good at throwing away the ball, protecting the football, avoiding sacks. 
but so that when they get to him, they don't have to hit him. Get I mean, I guess they have to hit him, but they don't have to get yeah. sacks. I'm not looking for sacks and sack fumbles. I'm looking for pressure, and there just really wasn't pressure. They got I think two sacks in this game and maybe two other quarterback hits. Mm-hmm. That's but the, this offensive line that Miami has is almost on par with ours as it is injured. Which should really be saying something to you guys. I mean, ask ask Dolphin fans that run their own podcasts. Look at their beat writers. They'll tell you that the offensive line has been terrible for them all year. We couldn't do jack. Okay. <laughs> really, we had, I think, just two sacks in this game. One for Ojolari, which was kind of a halfy with Carter. And one for Quincy Roche. Uh, to me, the, the pass rush is a bigger problem than I actually thought it was. I, I think I think that they need a pass rusher very, very badly. Now, again, Adoree Jackson wasn't playing the other corner. So these quick throws, they're coming out. Blake Martinez isn't playing inside linebacker. So those right. middle-of-the-field ones, they're coming out a little bit faster. But still, you're going to have games where you're not going to have your full thing. A pass rush, they have to get better there. An inside linebacker, you know, I just mentioned Blake Martinez. Tay Crowder, to me, the fact that he's playing up to a depth-level position uh, player – uh, as a Mr. Irrelevant is already a win. He's continuing to get better. But I'm worried, you know, with Blake Martinez if he's even coming back. So, you know, I uh, I think they are they are going to upgrade that position in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, to me, we'll do this from now until the draft and free agency. But, you know, biggest needs, mm-hmm, offensive mm-hmm. line and pass rusher. And everything else, everything else behind it will be better with you have those two foundations at the line of scrimmage. So, I guess that's going to kind of wrap this up. I, I'll just leave with some negative news here. Mike Glennon <laughs> has a concussion. He's currently in the concussion protocol, so nothing is is set in stone yet. We already saw Daniel Jones clear the concussion protocol in a week. It happens all the time. It's not that rare. I don't know any other details about the concussion, its severity, or even when it happened. I don't know if you do. But right now, it looks like Jake Fromm, who was just signed off the practice squad from the Bills, is going to start on Sunday. And our quarterback's coach, Jerry Shaplinski, has COVID. So he will not be able to coach him. I'm glad we didn't... uh take the trip out to LA this weekend Grump as we discussed in the off season we would have at least gotten good weather we would have a nice tan maybe but uh, no it's uh, the hits just keep on coming and I don't please don't at me about what Fromm did against Florida four years ago you know if Kirby Smart wasn't such a jackass and stubborn in the quarterback room he would have Justin Fields instead of Jake Fromm, and he probably wins a national title with the amount of talent around him too. So Jake Fromm was a decent college quarterback, you know, kind of a um, – what do you call it? A, a, a game manager for the college level, if that makes any sense. But, in, you know, there's a reason why he was drafted low and has never sniffed a, a, a NFL field in a real game. He's not an NFL play a quarterback and he has to come in with about a week's knowledge of the playbook without his quarterback coach who's has COVID and he can't have the normal communication with him with this offensive line with all the injuries you're almost better off just doing the wildcat every play and maybe you break one run for a long yards or something I I'm not even gonna I don't even want to think about it 
I don't have to think about it yet because we're not doing the preview podcast, so I'm not going to. Um, I'm going to hope that the concussion was not severe at all for Glennon and that he can play. Um, uh, absolutely. Since it, since it looks like Jones may be out for the year, but it, the initial reports are he's definitely out this Sunday. So, Yeah. This but, could be yeah, really bad. <laughs> yeah, but that preview episode will be on Friday morning for you guys. As always, you can follow me on Twitter in the interim at football underscore grump and him as well at the cranky fan. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, you name it. It's also available on YouTube. I'm hoping. Um, I've had some tech issues. Um, give me give me a little bit of a break. I'm trying. I I spent an entire Saturday trying to resolve it and hopefully you are watching me say this to you right now on youtube on monday morning that's my hope you know if you want to send us some financial contributions to help our cause we'd really appreciate it since uh, <laughs> yeah I jameson is to... jameson has yet sent us that check for that sponsorship uh but yeah yeah, yeah i keep ending see... up sending them money somehow yeah exactly so if you want to see our ugly mugs again send us cash because we need yeah it. yeah well we'll see i think this one's gonna go up i think i resolved my issue but we'll 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 get that figured out in the meantime we will see you on friday morning go giants go giants go giants